BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirkanish right here in the middle. This is the Smirkanish podcast for independent minds. 20 days till Christmas. Yikes. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. It is a stressful time of year. Fun time of year, stressful time of year. De-stress it. Yeah. Simplify. We got Namaste. This. <laughs> Namaste. Uh, I can update you all on the news with some commentary by walking through my weekend. If I just roll back the clock and I think about when we were last together, it was Friday and the poll question was this. Do you think the Idaho police have a suspect in the quadruple murders or are nowhere near solving the crime. This, about two weeks after I had asked, will they ever resolve it? And 90% said, well, of course. This time, 74.51% of more than 15,000 said they're nowhere near solving it. 25.49% said they have a suspect. In terms of updates on the quadruple murder, murder from Idaho, it's, it's really only this. It's that Stephen Goncalves, father of Kaylee Goncalves, one of the four victims, 21 years old in her case, said common sense and logic suggests that either of the pair, meaning she or her roommate, was the intended victim because they were killed in a bed on the third floor of the home when police have said the suspect entered the home through a backslider on the second floor. Quote, to me, the killer doesn't have to go upstairs. His entry and exit are available without having to go upstairs or downstairs. I'm using logic that he chose to go up there when he didn't have to. And to his point, he didn't go downstairs either. Because the two who were asleep on the ground floor are the ones who survived, I think. Saturday afternoon, the Moscow police released a statement. They said, at this time, no suspect has been identified. Uh, John Miller is the CNN chief law enforcement analyst, former deputy commissioner of intel and counterterror for the NYPD, and seems to be a pretty smart guy. He said what police have been reluctant to do in this case is to say that they have a suspect, even though they have had suspects who have risen and fallen in various levels of importance, because that's the nature of the beast. Police having no sex suspects is factually incorrect. Police have had a number of suspects they've looked at, but they have no suspect they're willing to name. You don't name them unless you have a purpose for that. That's not unusual. So he seems to think that that it's not perhaps the dead end that we in the public are making it out to be. So that was Friday. Friday, I go to New York City. I'm there to deliver my CNN program 
from New York City on Saturday morning and to break some bread with my great CNN crew, sort of an, an annual holiday tradition that we do. And late Saturday afternoon, pardon me, Friday afternoon, the program is in such good shape. You know, famous last words. It's in such good shape that I say to myself, you know, here I am. I'm solo. Uh, Broadway's nearby. Let's just go see. Almost Famous is playing on Broadway. I loved the Cameron Crowe semi-autobiographical movie. I know the reviews in The Times were terrible. Should I be dissuaded from The Times? The Times said that the heart of rock and roll flatlines, quote unquote, in the Cameron Crowe Broadway adaptation. Here, the um, the review included this. At its best, rock and roll is a form that is gloriously and righteously dumb, or so decrees Lester Bangs, a character in the new musical Almost Famous. Alas, the show which opened on Broadway gets the wrong part of that formula right. Though celebrating the rock world of 1973, when the real Lester Bangs was the field's most influential critic, Almost Famous is neither glorious nor righteous, it barely even has a form. Would you still go and see a show that interested you if that were the review? Or is that the kind of review that you're like, it can't be that bad? So I go online to the box to the box office of the theater itself, yes. like no scalper, no right, right, third right. party. And I look at the theater depiction where it shows you what seats are available. Mm. Not many seats were available. They were going to have a good crowd. Lo and behold, Dead center row one, a ticket is available. One ticket, dead center row one. What is the story there? So, and you know, like no markup. The ticket's expensive. Right, it, was, sure. it was two bills, but it was not the same as, right. you know, buying Hamilton or some such sure. thing. So I bought it and I went and I'm glad that I did and I enjoyed myself. It wasn't great. The picture that you posted on Instagram. Yeah. No filter, no zoom, no nothing. Yeah, nothing. Crazy. No enhancement. Crazy. Right. That lets you know how yeah. close I was. They were like my, sweating. My on neck you. was sore right. at the end, exactly. of, at the, at the end of the night. So, so saw the show, which was a cool thing, and I'd wanted to do it, but not, not. I'm, the I'm best. not. I'm not raving. Okay. But for those of us who enjoyed the movie, or in my case, really enjoyed the movie, right. I think you'll enjoy the show. Good. But while I was there, now comes the Elon Musk. Matt Taibbi, you know, oh, no. Twitter dump. Did you look dump. down at your phone? I did not look at my phone while I was oh, there. I'm so glad. But when I walked out, it's like that show that was so well put together and gave me a level of confidence to actually go to a Broadway show on a school night for me. Exploded. Your phone exploded. was exploding. Exactly. So now the question is, and I'm, I'm, I'm explaining this to the POTUS audience because I, I want you to put yourself in my place. Are you going to do that subject on CNN on Saturday morning? The fact that Elon Musk has now instructed that documents be given to Matt Taibbi that shine a light on Twitter's handling of Hunter's laptop and all that went on in the 11th hour of the 2020 cycle. Am I going to do that? Because I've written a commentary. I've written a homelessness. Uh, and that's how you were going to start the show. A homeless commentary right. right that's how i was going to start right. the show which was not really pegged to a hot story sure it was pegged to a story of a couple of days prior when eric adams in new york says hey i'm going to change our policy relative to homelessness right but sometimes there really isn't a, ho a hot story sometimes i was yeah, yeah i was okay with that because because i'm very excited right. about the commentary of course 
So obviously, you know, and anybody who watched me on Saturday knows the uh, the answer. And, you know, TC, I have to tell you that part of my thought process and I solicited your opinion. I texted you and I said, hey, mm-hmm. what do you think I do with mm-hmm. this? And you said, Go I, ahead. I said, lead with it. Yeah, I said, absolutely lead with it and do a poll question on it. Right. I Both said, of which is, I did. Yeah. I said, this is the time. This is something that you've been on yeah. and. A hundred percent, you should do it. Yeah, you and your bright ideas. Look, well, what figure, look what it's gotten me I, now. I figure I either get the credit or the blame with all these things, so I might as well just say so, what I think. Okay, on the subject of credit, I actually think it's a credit to CNN that I did do it. This morning, flipping around the dial, coming into work at an ungodly hour, and of course, there was the narrative that I heard on Fox News. This was actually a part of of a segment that I heard where they were touting the fact that there were only seven seconds dedicated on all the Sunday morning shows to this story. So as I said on television, it was either a thunderclap, it was either a huge story or it was a snooze fest, depending on which outlet you turned into, right. tuned into. But I, I'm glad that I did it because I am into the story, and I, I think that it's a story even if there's not some enormous smoking gun in those Twitter, uh, you know, Taibi revelations. And I'm sure if if I had not done it, then. The Fox they News reporting. They could have looked at the whole weekend. They would have looked at the whole. No, TC, I'm being serious. They I, would have looked at the whole weekend and they would have said, CNN never, never. talked about it. Right. They couldn't. They couldn't. You, so, you led the show with so it. I, so they couldn't. I would like to think that in the C-suite at CNN, they're right. saying, well, Smirconish did it. Yeah. He did yeah. it. Yeah. I give them cover. There you go. <laughs> but I, I do, I do very much uh, like the story. I'm interested. I've talked about it here extensively on POTUS. I will give you my my bottom line. My bottom line is for those who have not paid close attention, and it does require a lot of reading if you want to try and follow the story. And I think that Elon Musk, by the way, could be telling it in a different fashion, more effectively. Uh, as far as I know. As far as I know, sitting here right now, I don't think that the the Times, New York Times, has covered it. And one of the reasons that they they haven't covered it, or you could say the excuse that they have not to cover it, is that all of the reporting is being channeled through Matt Taibbi, formerly of Rolling Stone, giving them the opportunity to say, well, we haven't independently verified any of these communications. The bottom line to me is that Twitter treated... The Hunter Biden laptop issue as a hack, even when they knew it wasn't, even when they knew it wasn't. And something else that becomes obvious is that both sides, meaning the Biden side and the Trump side, were were trying to, you know, curry favor, influence uh, Twitter as a social media platform. Now, it gets a little more complicated when Joe Biden is then elected in the same way for Donald Trump, because now what kind of influence should an administration have with a social media platform? And should that social media platform bend to the White House that's in power? But as I said on uh, Saturday to Jed Rubenfeld, who was my guest, he's a First Amendment lawyer from uh, from Yale. They are constantly White Houses, press secretaries, the communications people trying to get good coverage or influence coverage for the president. So, like, where's the line is what I'm trying to say. 
the way we presented it on CNN on Saturday, and I, I give a hat tip to the person who wrote it. I did not write the setup. David Handelman, who's been working with me for a long time at CNN, he wrote it. And as I wanted it written, it was right down the middle. It's like there's this breaking story. It's Elon Musk. He's trying to explain the Twitter handling of the Hunter laptop and other related issues in the 11th hour of the 2020 cycle. And, you know, it's either a huge story or it's a non-starter. You can be the judge, but we're going to tell you what the revelations are. Here, here, here are my first words. Here we go, I said. I'm Michael Smirkanish in New York City with that tweet, meaning here we go. At 6.44 last night, and two popcorn emojis, Elon Musk alerted his 119 million followers to a long thread called The Twitter Files, posted by Substack journalist Matt Taibbi. Taibbi said it was the first installment in a series, quote, based upon thousands of internal documents obtained by sources at Twitter. Here's some of the report. Some of the first tools for controlling speech were designed to combat the likes of spam and financial fraudsters. Slowly over time, Twitter staff and executives began to find more and more uses for these tools. Outsiders began petitioning the company to manipulate speech as well, first a little, then a lot more often, and then constantly. And by 2020, requests from connected actors to delete tweets were routine. One executive would write to another, more to review from the Biden team. And the reply would come back, handled. Celebrities and unknowns alike could be removed or reviewed at the behest of a political party. Both parties had access to these tools. For instance, in 2020, requests from both the Trump White House and the Biden campaign were received and honored. Although we don't, I tell you, parenthetically learn how were the Trump requests honored. However, this system wasn't balanced. It was based on contacts because Twitter was and is overwhelmingly staffed by people of one political orientation. There were more channels, more ways to complain, open to the left, well, Democrats, than the right. I'm not going to read it all to you, but that's the gist of, and that's straight from the way that I presented it. After, by the way, presenting who was covering it and with what kind of a headline. To me, I thought the, the, the most... Uh, the most stunning revelation of the Twitter documents thus far is Matt Taibbi sharing an email that was written by Ro Khanna. Ro Khanna is the Democratic congressman from Silicon Valley, which makes it more significant. And he is writing to the general counsel. Her last name is, is Gad voicing concerns about suppressing the story. Okay. This is a progressive D in the thick of, Twitter's handling, stifling of revelations about the, the Hunter Biden laptop. Ro Khanna says this. This seems to be like a violation of the First Amendment principles. If there is a hack of a classified information or other information that could expose a serious war crime and the New York Times was to publish it, I think the New York Times would have that right. A journalist should not be held accountable for the illegal actions of the source unless they actively aided the hack. So to restrict that material, especially regarding a presidential candidate, seems not in keeping 
of the principles of New York Times versus Sullivan. I say this, says Rokana, as a total Biden partisan and convinced that he didn't do anything wrong. But the story now has become more about censorship than relatively innocuous emails. And that's become a bigger deal than it would have been. He's absolutely right. And then we at CNN reached out to Ro Khanna to see if A, he'd come on the program, B, if he wanted to say anything else. And he, he gave us his very brief statement. I believe our Constitution and First Amendment are sacred. As the congressman who represents Silicon Valley, I felt Twitter's actions were a violation of First Amendment principles, so I raised those concerns. Our democracy can only thrive if we are open to a marketplace of ideas and engaging with people with whom we disagree. Well, we've had this conversation here on POTUS recently. It's not a First Amendment issue per se, because these are private actors, whether it's Twitter controlled by Musk, whether it's Alphabet controlling Google, whether it's Meta controlling Facebook, Instagram. But when the town square is completely controlled by, you know, literally like three private actors, and then you've got the government leaning on those platforms and the platforms responding, it does get a little complicated. So that's the Twitter Musk story as it exists so far. If you go to Smirconish.com today, you will see that I, I ran with the USA Today coverage because I think they did a nice job with the summary. The emails, fo- quote, the emails focus on the debate within Twitter, whether censoring tweets promoting a 2020 New York Post story on Hunter Biden's laptop was the right call. The Post story provided sensitive information that news organizations could not verify at the time. That's the summary. Now, equally significant is the Donald Trump response, because, you know, Donald Trump takes this story now and and decides that uh, it is evidence of fraud that determined the outcome of the election in 2020, which it is not. But on Truth Social, he releases a statement where he said this. This is Donald Trump and this is Trump this weekend. Do you throw the presidential election results of 2020 out and declare the rightful winner? Or do you have a new election? He's using a lot of uh, a lot of caps, by the way, in the way that he's laying this out. A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. So Trump takes this story, which I regard as a legitimate story, a story of Twitter saying these uh, these communications in the New York Post are a product of a hack beyond a point where they knew or beyond a point where they knew that they weren't the product of a hack. They nevertheless continue to thwart that story. Trump turns around and says that this is grounds for terminating the Constitution of the United States. He is a one-trick pony. It's grievance and the airing of, you know, it's like Festivus 365 days a year. It got him where he needed to be in the 2016 election. It didn't in 2020. I'm doubtful whether it will in 2024. But it's, it's just, you know, him repeating all those complaints that we've heard from him before, notwithstanding the fact that not a single court 
Republican judges, Democratic judges, doesn't matter, appointed by Trump. Nobody, no media outlet, no credible evidence exists for Donald Trump to say that he lost that election because of of fraud that was perpetrated. And yet it's what he continues to say. He repeats it so often that I guess his listeners, because they don't hear from other outlets, just accept it as if it's the gospel. You know, in the same way that I told you, I heard Fox promoting the fact, touting the fact that there were seven seconds devoted to the Hunter Biden laptop and Twitter on all the Sunday shows. Uh, You know, they want to shine a spotlight on the fact that nobody's talking about this. Meanwhile, what they're not talking about is the fact that Donald Trump wants to toss the Constitution of the United States because of the Twitter story. A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Well, obviously, no, it does not. You can imagine I got a lot of commentary uh, after I did an opening commentary and addressed this issue and then brought on my First Amendment scholar from Yale to to talk about it. Yeah, let's discuss. Again, in front of a CNN audience, a lot, a lot of people, at least those who were active in social media, not too happy. Rita. Another reason not to watch Smirconish. The new Jan Brady. Seriously, you guys need to change your name to Fox. Wow, wait a minute. I like that. The new Jan Brady. (laughs) I like that very much. As opposed to the real Jan Brady. Alan, the question remains, who cares? Hunter isn't, wasn't running for president. Now, David, a little bit more nuanced. Is it news? If it is, everyone should cover. Don't dictate what the public does and doesn't know. Troy, I believe the Biden laptop commission of media malpractice can be summed up in one question. What if it had been Don Jr.'s laptop? Absolutely. And Absolutely. Finally, Nikki, I think the story is absolutely fair game because my yes. understanding is that it involved Biden potentially being used by his son for financial gain. It, so they were all over the I, map. I'm, I'm, faulting any, I'm faulting those outlets that will not touch it. And I'm faulting those outlets that are not calling out Donald Trump for saying that this story is grounds for terminating the Constitution of the United States. It all needs to get covered. And we can talk about in what degree and whether parity exists, but you got to cover it all. So I'm beginning the week here by kind of putting down a marker and saying you ought to be suspect of where you're getting your news if your outlet didn't tell you both things. Here's what Matt Taibbi has published relative to Musk's revelations. And here's what Donald Trump said about the Constitution. Okay. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. 
Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Hey, gang, thanks for the telephone calls. Uh, Michael gets to go first. He's in Chicago. He thinks that Donald Trump's words are being overblown. Go ahead and explain why. Well, I've, I've, I read the tweet, and uh, my my take on it, he's not thro- saying to throw out the Constitution like everybody is, seems to be saying now. What he's saying is, if the, let's make believe the election really was stolen. Some really good evidence comes out. If it really was stolen then the rules that were p- pertain to this election would kind of be thrown out the baby in the bathwater because it was stolen. You'd have to restart it or do whatever. But he's not saying to get rid of the Constitution as a general premise. Like, but you're, you're, you're like cutting you're, him. Like you're you're cutting. No, no, no. You're cutting him way too much slack when you say, let's assume it what it wasn't stolen. I mean, the system no, no, was. No, that's what's that's what's in his mind. And that's why he's saying that. But again, he's not but saying I, to throw out the Constitution. He's just saying, in his mind, this was stolen, and therefore none of this stuff applies in this instance. Okay, but That's at what point? Saying. But at what point do I no longer have to give him the slack of in his Sir, mind? I'm a I'm a huge Trump supporter. I listen to your program. You never give him any slack. I mean, sure I do. Michael, Michael, Michael. I've never heard you say he did anything right. And Michael, I mean, there were a lot of here's, good things going on in the country. Here's, listen to me. Here's the slack I'm giving okay. him. I have eight other choices at this moment in terms of whose call I'm putting on a nationwide program. And I chose you just to make well, sure that like someone, because, oh. you, you know, you're willing. Okay, to but listen. it doesn't it doesn't mean I have to agree with you. I, I want to hear what True. you have to say. Right. All right. All right. Are we done? Well, uh yeah, I, I guess so. Thanks for letting me talk. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I want you listening. I, wa- I want people listening regardless of their of their perspective. Absolutely. At a certain point, though, Michael, you, you have to say that unless it, it, Trump's had every opportunity in the world to make a showing, there's no showing to be made. There's no showing to be made. And it's not going to be a turnoff, uh, as evidenced by the caller. To those who are his supporters. Hey, by the way, Michael asks for for me to say good things about him. I I can't say nice things about the way he's handled himself personally, but there are plenty of attributes that you can identify. I I especially for conservatives. I I said if Donald Trump would stick to the facts and talk about. Is that is that nearby? Yeah, they're they're coming for you. So close. Yeah. 
Hope everybody's all right. Remember, remember Fran TC used to bless himself anytime a, a an ambulance would go by. I'm feeling I'm feeling that now. There are a litany of things that can be offered, especially to conservatives, in terms of achievements by Donald Trump. And if he would stick to those, he'd be much better served. That's that is my point. Margaret, greetings. You're in Georgia. Uh, happy uh, election eve. How are you? I'm great. Uh, my uh, thing is off topic a little bit. I have a solution to propose to two very serious problems. One problem being the uh, dependence on Asia for our manufactured goods, and the other problem being uh, on the border, on our border. And the solution is to for Congress to create corporate tax incentives to build factories and create jobs in Latin America. I'm going to talk in the second hour of the program today about well, why, why not build? Why not um, create jobs in the United States? I guess because you say it'll relieve the the migration situation. Sure, well, they come here for jobs, so let's right. give them jobs where they live. They want to stay home. They would if they had jobs. I'm going to talk in the uh, second hour, Margaret, about about Apple and China and how, among other things, now Apple may start making more iPhones in Vietnam and in India. But I get your point. Your point is, hey, Apple, why don't you make them in Central America and kill two birds with one stone? Exactly. I mean, I, I can tell you this as, as, as one who has a postage stamp of involvement in the retail industry. You, you can't you can't buy goods, many goods that are made in the United States and be competitive. You just can't. There's a reason everything is made in China. And it's it's because it's cost prohibitive to do it in the United States. I, I kind of get it with regard to Apple, except I, I don't get them dropping the uh, the app capability that allowed Chinese protesters to communicate with one another. That that's not right. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. 
Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. XM. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Hey, gang, thanks for these phone calls. I appreciate it. Robert wants to correct me. You know I'm a glutton for punishment. Correct me, Robert. Hi. Yeah, uh, Michael, I am a big fan of, of yours as you being one of the few central voices. So when you ask for a correction, I, the thing about Fox right now is they've just decided they don't want nothing to do with They're doing a, a phase, a transition from Trump, and they think we all care more about the Ducey cookbook or human interest stuff. So they just haven't followed any Trump stories per se recently. Don't you don't you think his comments about the Constitution? I recognize what you're saying, and I watch a lot of Fox, so I know that to be the case. But don't you think that when he says or does something that, that that's so extreme, even for him, like to talk about terminating the Constitution relative to the 2020, that ought to get covered? Well, will you really let me respond in ten seconds to that question? Oh, yeah, I just wish the media would give him half the margin that they give Biden and other people. He exaggerates. He hyperboles. That is Trump. Right. And, and, you know, he takes everything to the next level when he, a comment like that, but, but with, with Biden or everybody else, they say, Oh, that's just Joe Bean. But not when it comes to Trump, they, they take him literally on everything. I think that's fair. I, I think it's fair. And I think it's, it's also the reason why, people hang with him more than they otherwise would is because they're so sick and tired of seeing so much slack cut to the other side. Right. Absolutely. That's fair. I, 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 I get it. I, I totally get it. Uh, Rich, you're in Connecticut quickly, if you don't mind, because I'm trying to work in everybody. Sure. Um, there's an aspect to this. that's not being discussed and that's the Hunter Biden thing was a, um, October surprise. And as a, Independent voter, I can tell you that it really, it, uh, the October surprises irritate the heck out of me. The thing with Trump on the bus, then we have um, this with Hunter Biden in the laptop, the thing with uh, Herschel Walker. I don't like it. And it reminds me, you're a lawyer, you know about the theory of latches. It's the same type of thing you hold on to. All of these were held on to and released at the last second so that the opponent can't deal with it. And it's something that, to me, I wish we would get out of our, our political system. And it's something that, to, to independents, it's something that they really, really don't like. And it causes some people to, like, switch votes, and it causes other people just to stay home. So what, what would you propose? Would you try and limit the type of – I don't think you could do this, but they try and do it overseas. Do you think you would try and limit election coverage in the final X days, two weeks? Who knows? Uh, it, it, well, what, no, election coverage, no. But what, you know, the, the media needs to tell these people is, you're, look, I'm retired law enforcement, so I'm like, you know, Joe Friday, give me the facts, ma'am. It's like you tell the, the, the political campaigns, if you've got stuff like this in the past that we had the October surprise, release it in August or July so we can deal with this. But if you decide at the last minute you're going to come out with something that you've been holding on to for a long time, we're not going to go with it. So here might be a silver lining for your observation. I don't given that so many people are now voting in advance of elections. It's kind of interesting because there was a gathering of of mostly Republicans from Pennsylvania this weekend for an annual affair. And they seem to now be embracing the Republican leadership in Pennsylvania early voting, where largely at Trump's behest, they've opposed, opposed, opposed it. My point 
to Rick, Rich, pardon me, in Connecticut is where more people are voting sooner. You can't wait if you have something until truly the 11th hour. So if somebody's got a, 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 a bomb, political bomb that they want to drop, maybe they're going to have to back it up by at least a month to have impact with all the people who are voting by mail. I think you're right. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's the thank you. I think that's the practical uh, uh, aspect of it. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee.